0: Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Forest. I'm your host, Cameron Limitadepro. The Maruchi Miracle. If my voice sounds a little off, awkward, I lost my voice at the game. Went to the homecoming game. A bunch of my friends. Uh, I have not had a voice for about twenty four hours. Slowly coming back. Throat lozenges and tea have helped. It took me about a day also to really process what the hell just happened in that game. Wake Force twenty one, Pit seventeen. I. I mean. <laughs> I I was stunned when uh, Bill Connolly, SP Plus f- friend of the podcast of the program, had the numbers at a fifty one percent win probability for Wake Forest in the post game. Parker Fleming, Stats of War, another friend of the pro- of the program, two guys you should really be following if you don't had them as the second least likely win of Week Eight, and. When I say least likely, that means success rate, basically how well did either side do down the down. Pitt was decently better than <laughs> than Wake down to down in that game. Um, but I thought it was in a different way than what I expected. When I think about a team being better down the down, I think of them kind of bullying their way. You know. I think I think of them bullying a team and it's just being overwhelming i didn't think Pitt was necessarily the overwhelming better team in that game i thought they were better let's not get this uh, twisted i thought they were better and you know obviously they had more yardage epa per play wise i believe wake forest was in the 20th percentile also if you can't tell i'm getting all the bad out right now we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of good Wake was in the 20th percentile EPA per play. Pitt was in the 39th. That's what I mean. Like, I didn't think it was overwhelming. I didn't think Pitt was fantastic. I think they hit a couple of explosives, and they hit a couple more explosives than Wake Wake did, and that really might kind of skew the numbers a bit. But I thought in the trenches, and I'll include the linebackers in here because I have to give Quincy Bryant. As a Quincy Bryant truther, I feel vindicated here that guy played his ass off i thought on both sides of the line wake Force controlled pit which is something that i did not see coming and i don't know if a lot of people saw coming havoc rate i only eight percent for wake which is in the 35th percentile zero percent percent zero percent havoc for pit puts them in the zeroth percentile defensive stuff rate it was ten percent for Wake, zero percentile thirteenth percent for for Pitt, first percentile. Those two didn't really do much in terms of stuffing the run too badly in terms of you know buying a line of scrimmage. But I thought Wake did a good job of controlling Pitt's running backs and making sure that they didn't really get much going on the ground. Third down success rate forty one percent for for uh, Pitt, 35 percent for for Wake Forest, thirty second percentile. I thought Pitt was a little bit better on third downs than Wake was, but I thought when it came to really just locking down, Wake did a whole, 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 whole lot better. I think the EPA per rush is probably where I thought the biggest advantage at for Wake. Pitt was held to the second percentile in EPA per rush, negative 0.54 per rush. Wake wasn't exactly you know a darling, but negative 0.15 I was 26 percentile, but that's a substantial difference between the two. I thought when given the opportunity, Wake's defensive line did extremely well, and I think Wake's offensive line played their best game I've ever seen. I'll get to them in a second. Back to the negatives. I mean, this, I think this play, this is one that in theory, if you told me Wake won this by like 10 or 14, I didn't think. You should be shocked about that. I thought the defense did enough to really keep Christian Bayer off the off the field. They had an opening script drive where obviously they drove down the field. I don't really care too much about the script drives, both good or bad. Um, They're scripted drives. Sorry, right they are. Let's see what you do the rest of the game. Rest of the game. Pitt didn't. Pitt did nothing. Pitt really didn't do anything. Um. I. I. I if the 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 drops. Well, the drop by Wesley Grimes hurt. I thought one of the interceptions Santino threw wasn't his fault. Slash, I think I, I'm from PFF, and it looks like it from Clawson as well. Yep. That second one, you think you need Horatio Fields to fight for the ball a bit more. That 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 wasn't on him. If Grimes catches that touchdown, I mean, it's on both his hands. And I've I've said it before. I think Wesley Grimes is going to be an amazing prospect, an amazing player at. Wake Forest, I think he has the Donovan Green issue right now of the hard catches are, are, for some reason are just natural to him. It's it's the ones like that, that feel kind of routine you think he should he should make nine, nine to ten times out of ten that are the drops. That's what we saw in camp. That's what we're seeing now. And that's what we've seen from Donovan. I mean, if you look at Wesley, look back at the Georgia Tech game, the touchdown he catches in the Georgia Tech game is a spectacular catch. Like, that is something that's like, all right, dude, where has this been? But then he'll drop a ball like that against Pitt, where it's two. He's got the guy beat by two steps. Both hands on the ball. It's a little further than you want it to be, but I mean, you get two hands on that ball. You got to catch it. That's tough. Um, I thought we saw a lot of the same stuff we've seen in the past from Wake's offense in terms of um, if they got ahead of the sticks, they were moving the ball with ease. The second they got off schedule, the drive ended. Wick was three for 12 on third downs that were four or more yards. That's not sustainable in the slightest. If you want to win a game, that's, that's not sustainable at all. Like they, if, if it was more than if they, the best third downs were the ones they weren't facing. If that became, you know, third and four, third and five, third and six, they just couldn't do anything with that. It was, that was rough, but hey, still won. and you know, Starting with the offense, and now we're gonna get to, to the positives here. You know, I I really really thought that this offensive line, and obviously with Spencer Clapp back at help, I thought this offensive line just did what they needed to do. It Was the best. Like I I think their pressures were the least amount since the Vanderbilt game. They had nine per PFF. I, I I thought it was the best blocking I've seen since Clemson, like for three and a half quarters like I thought those guys in Clemson 2022 not Clemson this year. Clemson 2022 where they sat there they gave Sam more than enough time to 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 do what he needed to do and I this was the offensive line that I had expected last year that we didn't necessarily get and we have not seen a whole lot of that this year. They were firing off in the run game. Pass protection was fantastic. Pick coming to the game was third in the ACC in sacks allowed. While Wake was the worst team, in was oh, in sacks per game. While Wake was the worst team in sacks allowed, only two sacks given up this game. None of them were charged to the offensive line, which I think is an int- interesting note. Nine pressures total by by Pitt, only, and I think only a couple of them were charged to the offensive line. Like those guys, like did what they needed to do. Dave Clawson said after the game that he was. Put a lot on the on the offensive line and the backs, and I thought they responded. I thought Justice Ellison ran pretty hard in his, in his time there. I'm not sure he's healthy. I don't think he's healthy because, I mean, just looking at the snap counts, seeing him only get, I think it was only like 20 ish snaps. And granted, the way DeMond Claiborne was playing, like taking DeMond's up hard, but Josh Zell's only got 27 snaps. He only got one pass-blocking snap in this game. Uh, me, he only got five pass-blocking snaps in this game. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if he's necessarily all that healthy, which also kind of rang a bell for me, because if you looked at that last drive, you want to tell me who was in at running back for pass protection? It was not DeMont Claiborne. It was Tate Carney, and Tate Carney was probably... The second, not probably, Tate Carney was the second best pass blocking running back they had in fall camp. So it's not surprising that they trust him in those situations. It was a bit more surprising that Justice Ellison wasn't in there. And that's kind of leading me to believe that ankle isn't all the way there. Funny enough about ankles, Kirby Smart, UGA's head coach last week, actually talked about how apparently he's been talking to a bunch of coaches and other people around the country. UGA has a bunch of high ankle sprains, and apparently it's a rash incident across <laughs> college football right now, but a lot of people are having high ankle sprains. No one really knows what's going on here. Obviously, Wake's dealt with that with Justice Ellison and Spencer Clapp. Don't really know what's going on with the ankle sprains in college football, but it is what it is. DeVon Clip, <laughs> buddy, you know, pa- pass protection be damned. Man. That boy can run. I thought the adjustment there, what they made with this, with this offense is something I want to do more often, which is, you know, whether you're a 20 point dog, one point dog, one point favorite, whatever it may be with Spencer clap back. I've been very much like, Hey, when Spencer gets back, you can run more off tackle be great. They up, they had, I believe it was 41% of their runs in this game. Were off tackle, didn't matter the side. That was a solid five to six percent higher than what they've done the last few games. And the reason that has been health, and also they didn't. They felt like they had. They they felt like their offensive line continued to give them a chance all game to do it. They've tried some stuff of like that against Clemson and against VT, and it didn't really go well. This game, they felt like they saw what was happening with their offensive line. They said, "Hey, these guys are blocking a lot better." And it gave them a chance. They were they were just running a simple outside zone, and then they saw Pitt was already thin at linebacker. Had a guy go out. Now they're extremely thin at linebacker, and they really tried to put those guys in a bit of uh, just in a bit of crisis, in a bit of conflict, and it allowed DeMont Claiborne to do what he does best, which is get out into space and continue to go. I thought this was a great adjustment game from Wake Forest in terms of the coaching because I thought they ran the ball the ways they should have been. I didn't think they put too much on Santino, which I mean, it's the it's your third-string quarterback, great. But I think they adjusted in terms of saying, "Hey, if we want to win this game, this is what we got to do." Big reason I say that is when you start looking at the the routes these guys are running. Damon Claiborne ran a route on almost sixty percent of his passing snaps. Justice Ellison ran a route on eighty-three percent of his of his passing stats, uh, passing snaps. They, the I mean, obviously right before the half, the play before just uh DeMond Claiborne scores, he just kind of shoots out of the backfield. And I remember being taken aback about that on when I was watching the game live. And when I went back and watched it a couple of times, I was like, this is exactly what I saw them use, you know, Matt Colburn as uh, a few years ago when he was here with John Walford. That's the offense I thought they would do. And I think one of the biggest reasons that they're, they haven't done that in the past has been, they haven't trusted the offensive line. Now they're trusting the offensive line to actually block well, because they don't. I don't know if they can necessarily trust a Cam Hyde or Michael Froge. Michael Froge, like I, and you can see it in their blocking snaps as well as you know their blocking. Their blocking is getting better, but they're being put into less pass blocking situations. It was Cam High only had three snaps as a pass blocker. Michael Froge only had one. Like they. They're now, I think, have fully adjusted, saying, "Hey, we need to put guys in better situations because they just aren't holding up well enough." And the offensive line gave them more than enough to be able to to block and give a guy like DeMont more enough time to run past a third-string linebacker. It worked well. I really, really enjoyed that. I, it's, but it was still an ugly game. I mean, Wake beat them while losing the turnover battle, two to nothing. They got completely outgained, and they recorded zero sacks. <laughs> Usually, if you tell someone that happens, they you think they probably don't win the game. But they did, and you can't really take that away from them. Centeno is going to be the story. I'll just go ahead and say this here. I would be shocked if Mitch plays against Florida State. Not because of the performance from Santino, but because I think – I I don't know if he plays uh, – I don't know if he plays next week. I don't know if he plays against Duke. We'll see. I, I have a running theory that Mitch was a bit more banged up than he led the coaches to believe, and it kind of came to a head in the Virginia Tech game. I I would not be shocked if he's out for at least definitely against, against State. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say he's confirmed out, but I would be a bit shocked if he played, I wouldn't necessarily be all that shocked if he didn't play on a short week against Duke as well. And they just, and he just let him get healthy, figure it out from there. Kern is going to be out for a bit. He, it looked, it looked as bad as it, it was as bad as it looked with Kern, but Santino did what he was asked to do. There was a very simple game plan. Dave Costin talked about it during the postgame press conference that it was a more conservative game plan than NC State in 2019. Um, you remember know, 2019 with, with Jamie Newman, where Jamie Newman really just had nothing going on there. Quote unquote. I'd say it's even more, I'd say probably even more conservative. Jamie Newman at least had a quarterback for three years. Santino was backpedaling, playing safety a year ago. He went into it saying, let's put this on the offensive line and the backs. Let's give them some quick screens, maybe some play action bootlegs. At the end of the game, you had to let them play. And I think that was one of the biggest things was who made the plays. I think Wake has struggled this year with certain people making, with a lot of people making plays. And, you know, the guys who made the plays this this week were Jamal Banks made two fantastic catches Keyshawn Williams I thought Keyshawn Williams was going to score on that second the last uh actual pass I'm not counting I'm not going to count the the spike as a pass but the the second the the fourth down conversion he catches I thought he's going to score there Keyshawn Williams also catches um also catches the third down which was just a complete duck like that was that was a complete duck that it came out it was just wobbling no one thought that that had a chance. And then you find Keyshawn, Keyshawn Williams comes out of nowhere, snags it, almost gets the first down. Cam Height, who I think I've been on the record thinking that he is a very much a better receiver than he is a blocker when it comes to being a tight end, makes that catch a lot harder than you than people think it is. That That is a very hard catch. Kudos to him on that. But I thought that different people made plays in this game. And they were people that you expected them to do it, like for the way Wesley's played so far, I don't know if I necessarily expect him to go out there and make a play right now. I love Taylor Marin. I think he's great. He has not played well this year. he he played the last game I think he played well in was o d u. He's not played well this year, and I don't really know what's going on there, but you hope he can finish strong with this year. yeah, so I mean, Jamal's your guy that's supposed to be an NFL guy and he he made a play. Keyshawn Williams, who has been, there's no way to put it, but kind of a dog, made plays. Cam Height, you know, you're supposed to be your your starter tight end made plays. I think that's something we've severely lacked. Whether it's you know the ball not being in the right place or the or them not catching it. I mean, they were, there were there were some drops. Jamal Banks had a couple games ago, last game even. There was him not really getting off coverage too uh, too well a couple a couple weeks ago. You know, I thought the offense made plays that they have not all year, and I think that's a very, hopefully, a very good sign moving forward. That you know, this team needed this win. Like this team, absolutely needed this win. Credit to Santino. You know, a couple of turnover really plays. You know, he throws a touchdown that wins the game. Fantastic! <laughs> you do that. I did think it was kind of funny. When asked when when they asked Lawson about the touchdown pass by Santino, and Clausen, the first words out of Lawson's mouth was, "I was surprised threw it to the tight end because they've called that play before, obviously during practices, whether it's in season spring camp or fall camp, and he's always through that. Apparently, he's quote unquote all, every other time he automatically threw it to the outside guy. Good on him. Really happy for him. I, I love how the team rallied around him." I love the game plan in terms of because I, I mentioned it to someone at the game, but if Santino took a hit, and yeah, he's a big he's a bigger dude than some of the other guys on the team, if he takes a hit and he's out, you're either playing a, a guy in Charlie Gilliam who is a true freshman that didn't enroll until this until the summer, or a walk on in Tyler Mizell, who I'm pretty sure also didn't enroll into the fall semester. So you would either play a true fresh you play one of two true freshmen that have had zero time to get acclimated to college at all. Yeah. You do everything you can to make sure that this quarterback doesn't take hits. And I thought Santino did a good job of navigating it, playing with house money. I thought he really played like he had nothing to lose. Like he was like, look, I'm a, I'm the quarterback. That's the third option right now. I'm going to go out there and give my all. I don't have to worry about a job. i um, me losing it. If I don't play well, I'm out there to just go play. And I thought that was what you what the doctor ordered, in that in that situation, kicking over the defense. I thought the defense was largely fine. I am someone that just looking at how the defense is constructed and how they're going to play. They're never going to be someone that is going to grade really, really high in terms of like you know EPA per play usually. They're gonna they're gonna grade well in like stop rate. Stop rate is going to be where they are, and if you don't know what stop rate is, uh, the athletic actually does a good job of of compiling all this together. It's a basic measurement of success, percentage of a defensive drives that end in a punt, turnover, turnover and down. So it's essentially, hey, like you know, versus yards per game or points per game when you when people can play really really fast and people can just play well between the tw- uh, uh, between the 20s stop rates a good way of saying hey you know how well are your drives doing and wakes going into this game was 48th in in stop rate about 66.1 percent of their drives ended without points 48th in the country if you've had that the last couple of years if you had that in 2021 i mean you're a cfp contender so it kind of stinks that you don't have that you didn't have that before but And that showed itself against Pitt again, like Pitt scored 17 points in, let's count them one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14 drives. They scored on three possessions. That's a pretty good number. That means over o- almost 80% of their drive, they didn't score a point. They're gonna they're always gonna look bad on, on the yardage. That's just that's just who they're gonna be. The way they play, this the Discover the Discovery style they play. It's not so much they don't trust their corners to handle people. They don't want explosives. They are just like, you know what, screw everything. We really trust our tackling. And if you watch the tackling in that in that game, Kaylin Carson, oh my goodness. Taylor and Deshaun absolutely just whacked people. They trust the tackling of those two Quincy Bryant, Nick Anderson, Malcolm Mustafa, Jalen Garns. They trust the tackling of their players, especially in the secondary and at linebacker. So that if they don't get to the quarterback, that's fine, you know. As long as it's not a second and eight turning into a 45, 50 yard pass, whatever. It be third and six, third and five, third and four. That's still manageable. You can still get out of that, and that's the style they're playing because they know how good they are in the red zone, and you know it's it's worked well for them on defense. So, you know, I think the, I think two corner, I think Deshaun got got kind of caught on one. The second one was just a fantastic throw up. I thought Rankin played that pretty pretty damn well, and that was just a better throw and catch in that situation. So, you know, I, I think they've they found what worked for them. Two things that are worrying to me and they're kind of related is just death, but it's death at what position. Dylan Hazen went down. You were already down, you know, Chase Jones and Draco Robinson, and you had Tommy Baby um leave because he uh, it was a medical it was a medical DQ, so he's a kind of a he's a player coach now. You lost three guys and then a fourth guy just quits the team. No, I don't think there's a position and there's a team in football that can survive four people being down before the season starts, and then you get another guy down in Dylan Hazen. Hope he's good. Uh, I haven't heard much. I hope he's doing well. We'll check back in on on tomorrow. Quincy Bryant played extremely well instead. Hayden Hall has played fine. You know he's young. They're trying to get him more reps, but you obviously don't want to. Throw a guy in until he's fully ready, but he's he helped them. They had to play Zach Ranson, who hasn't really played at all, minus special teams his entire career. He's been here for about four years now. So that worries me there. Secondly, is getting worn down on the defensive line. I thought they played very well on the on defensive line, but it's going to worry me a bit if Jashin Davis keeps playing a ton of snaps. It's going to keep worrying me if Kevin Pointer has to play all the snaps. Like I look at the snaps from this last week and You know, Kevin Pointer played 67 out of the 77 snaps. Kendron Wayman played 66. Eugene Javis played 65. Yeah, they're their best players. And same sort of thing a little bit with Kalen Deshaun Jones. They played 77 and 76. You know, I worry about them getting worn down as the season goes on because we have a team up this week in Florida State. That's physical. They're going to challenge you on the outside. They've got aliens across the entire offensive line. They're still positions. What happened with Duke last week on Saturday was Duke got worn down by them. Like Duke really, really got worn down, them, especially with the mobile quarterback and Jordan Travis. Yeah. If, you, if you wear down in this game, it might get really, really ugly. It's already a 20-point spread. It might get ugly if you, if you guys just get really worn down. So. BJ Williams played 16 snaps. It looks like Jalen Hudson's getting more and more reps. I was really hoping Isaiah Cheney would be back by now, but I honestly don't know at that, you know, how much more can you're getting some stuff out of Bryce Ganyas, Justin Williams, and his best game. So you really need those guys to come along. And so death is the one thing that I worry about a bit with that defense. I think they're going to play well, but I think I wouldn't be shocked if there's one or two games in the rest of the season and, probably against, you know, a, a Florida State or maybe a, a Notre Dame that are just really, really, really physical teams that the dam just kind of breaks because, you know, they've done a good job of, of holding of holding on with injuries, especially, you know, Brennan Harris will hopefully come back in a couple of weeks, and you're hoping you get Chase Jones back sooner versus later. They finally got a positive update on him. So you're hoping you get some news back. And you're hoping you get Dylan Hayes back, but you're you're raised you're riding the line you're starting to get right on the line right now at, at defense and you're really hoping you can just make it to the finish line here all in all like i i think this i'm still left with the same sort of questions i've had before you know that game even happened i think the team really really needs this win what do you do with it whether you win or whether you get you lose close handily or even somehow beat. Florida State this week. When you do a quarterback like I like, I think Santana was a great story. Nothing about that game gave you confidence that he will be the starting quarterback for the future. I think he's going to be a great stopgap for the next game or two or three, but nothing about that gave you the confidence that he is the long term answer. We've seen a good game out of the offensive line. Do it again. Do it like do it again. It, I. I'm I'm not gonna sit here. I'm I'm done kind of you know thinking that one game fixes everything. Same sort of thing with the wide wide receivers, too. Do it again. I, I, it, it probably won't end up being this week. It might end up being against Duke, might end up being in Syracuse, NC State. We'll see. This needs to be repeated. This but there needs to be like, hey, this is who they are versus right now. It's it's a true one-week season mindset because week to week I have no idea what I'm gonna expect out of this offense. And so you gotta. Right now, we're just trying to figure out short-term answers before trying to figure out the long-term answers. I think they've started seeing some really, really good pieces. I thought Matt Goldman had his best game by far, and I think a big reason for that is that they got Spencer Clapp back, which means they were able to put DeMonte Gordon at right tackle where his natural position is and where he's best at, and it helped ease the load on Matt Goldman, who was like, oh, then looked great when he wasn't being overloaded. So you know, health plays a part in a lot of this. They they deserved this. They deserved to win. They needed to win. That locker room is feels so much better. Everyone involved because of because of a win. Like they, I, I I truthfully cannot believe that this team sat here and won a game where they threw an interception and that interception was bad. Spade call a spade a spade. That interception was horrendous. Very 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 bad. It was a. It was a ball that was just Jamal was was blanketed, and he not only was the ball thrown to a very like blanketed guy, it was just well too inside to the point where the corner was like I didn't know the ball was coming to me, so limited. It was limited offense. They understand that. I don't expect the I don't expect even with another couple days of practice the offense to be opened up even more than that they know the limitations and we can, you could very obviously see the limitations in what, what was going on out there. Keep, keep us close and keep, and keep trying to chip away, chip away. That's how you're going to win a couple games until you can really get a consistent offense going. So a little surprise from today's episode, a little bit of a basketball talk. So on Friday, I was very pleased to be welcome to the Wake Forest facilities. I had not seen the brand new facilities uh, in its entirety, since they've opened everything, got a little tour of that. I also got to take in a practice. I took in about probably half of it. And then I talked to a couple of people who were, got to watch the entire entire practice, everything, grain of salt. One practice, you know, didn't have Hunter Salas that day. He had a funeral. Uh, his grandmother passed away and another player was out with uh, an injury. Nothing long-term, nothing to be concerned about there. He'll be fine. Ups and downs. Yeah, my my confidence about the team is not hasn't really wavered. I think you know they're gonna the question of this team was are they gonna be able to shoot? That's always been my question of where does the shooting come from? Because especially without Damari. And look at Boopy, Boopy can shoot a bit. Cam looked better shooting the ball against, you know, in the AC tournament than he had basically this entire Wake Forest career. Salas hasn't ever really been like a sharp shooter, but he also this is his first time really extended, you know, minutes. And I'm really really kind of Kind of know, not kind of not annoyed, but like it's his grandmother passing away. That, that trust me, that means a lot to me. I was really kind of sad that I didn't get to see him. Um, you know, F10 is a better shooter outside than I realized. Marsh looked confident shooting the three. I don't think he's going to be a guy shooting three to four threes a game, but he looked confident doing it. So, you know, you're trying to figure out what do you have in Brahmo? What do you have in, you know, what do you have in uh, Marcus and What do you have uh, Parker apparently from eyes and also from talking to people. Snap call, no, no debate about it. There was like, yeah, the behind Damari Parker's the best shooter on the team. So you've got him, but how many minutes can he play as a true freshman? Aaron Clark, you know, what are you really getting out of him coming from an injury? Zach Keller, you know, what are you getting there? This team's gonna really be able to hinge on can they shoot from the outside, and that's that's gonna be it. I, I like the, I like the lineup and the defensive you know combinations that they that they're able to put out there. I was really really impressed by those. I thought they're a longer team than I realized. They're a lot. They're bigger than what I realized. I think you still need to get. You meet the hope. Epton Reed gets his waiver just because I think he adds a whole new dimension to this team that they just don't have. And I could. And I was kind of really shocked. I know people have said he's a vocal guy. You could really see how vocal he was. It was really, really impressive to how vocal they were. They looked athletic to me. Looked solid on defense. It's going to come down to whether or not they shoot. Yep, yeah, sometimes they have good days, sometimes they have bad days. You know, what does this look like? And you're also missing a couple of guys here and also Damari. So, you know, how how are they look there? That's that's one thing. I don't really care if they win or lose against Alabama on Saturday or Sunday, excuse me. I wanna know, you know, I want to see how they shoot and play together. I don't know if we get the Epstein Reed waiver by then. I'd honestly be kind of shocked because the play is a farce of an organization. I can keep going for days on that. So it's going to be interesting to see what the, if he can't play, if they don't have an answer by then, you know, what lineups they, they kind of roll out there. I'm going to be interested in that. But I, I'm going to be watching if, well, I'm going to have people be watching, you know, what's the shooting look like? How are they spacing everyone out? And, you know, how much, how well they're communicating. I want to see how well they're communicating. I think that's going to be a very, very important part of, Making sure, especially without Efton, you know, how's everyone looking? Uh you know, is Andrew Carr getting people in the right place? Is Cam Hill getting people in the right place? You know, is, is Parker gonna be as advertised when the lights come on? You know, is Aaron Clark gonna be as advertised under Salas? Like, I wanna see what happens, you know. Practice is cheap at this point. It's time to play. Thank you guys so much for watching. We'll have stuff later in the week across the aisles. FSU, I know as always I love the FSU hate week stuff. The writers are some of my favorite people on this planet. We'll have some stuff with them later this week. As always, go Deeks. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.